This is Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of this station. Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO on VOCM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Your Money with Nancy Snedden. I am Nancy Snedden. Thanks so much for tuning in today. So we've been talking a lot the last number of weeks about rising inflation, rising interest rates, and how many are really struggling to get by. So are you concerned about the economy and feeling anxious about your financial well-being? If you are, you're not alone. According to a recent Equifax Canada consumer survey, many Canadians are feeling the same, and we're going to talk about that today uh, on the show. So joining me to discuss the survey is Julie Kuzmik. She's the Senior Compliance Officer for Consumer Advocacy at Equifax Canada. Julie, welcome back to the show. So great to have you. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Julie, before we get started, can you share a little bit more with our listeners about Equifax Canada and the role that you play there? Absolutely. Equifax is one of two major credit bureaus in Canada. The other one is TransUnion. And what happens at the credit bureaus is the lenders and banks and mortgage companies, credit card issuers in Canada, they send information about all of their accounts to the credit bureaus, typically on about a monthly basis. So that means that uh, your, for example, your Visa card, your MasterCard, your mortgage, uh, car loan, that information is getting sent to the credit bureaus about once a month, and that is creating your credit file, or often called a credit report or credit history. Over time, that builds up uh, all that information month over month, and when you're applying for new new credit, uh, credit score might get calculated for you. Um, with your permission, uh, you would give your consent for that uh, credit company to check your credit report and possibly pull a credit score for you. And that score is going to be based on the information that is in your credit report at the time, which is what has been reported over the past several months or even years. So my role at Equifax Canada is really focused on the consumer aspect. So I spend a lot of time thinking about how can we help people navigate the credit system with more confidence. There's so much misinformation out there about how credit works, about what credit scores even are, what goes into credit scores, how many credit scores there are out there. The list just goes on and on. So I work on trying to make things a little bit easier, trying to get that information out there for consumers. And I also work a lot with our regulators, with the government organizations uh, who set the rules that we have to operate within, because many of those rules are actually there in order to protect consumers. So those two activities really line up quite well. No, absolutely. And you do a lot of great work there. And I know, you know, education for consumers has been a priority for the federal government. And of course, with November being financial literacy month, that continues, right? And and don't want it to seem like November is the only time we should be looking at financial literacy and, and building up on our knowledge and skills. We really should be doing it all year round. But certainly in financial literacy month, there's a, a push to, to build that knowledge with consumers. Now, Equifax Canada is also conducting surveys all the 
the time around different credit um, aspects of credit, I guess, for lack of a better word. And the survey that you conducted recently was in advance of Financial Literacy Month. And the findings are concerning, but honestly, Julie, with everything that's been happening, not really surprising for me. They echo many recent polls and surveys, including our own BDO Affordability Index. So the Equifax Canada Consumer Survey shows Canadians are feeling the squeeze, trying to keep up with monthly bills, debt obligations, housing payments, and trying to save for retirement. But when you really drill down, Julie, I think there's some key areas and the results really do become worrisome. So let's talk about the findings of the survey, starting with the economic outlook. A lot of pessimism right now among Canadians, right? Yeah, and I mean, you're right, Nancy. Uh, Unfortunately, these results aren't surprising. We're seeing this in pretty much every headline out there that's talking about Canadian consumers. There is so much going on that is making it harder for people, and we're all feeling it in our wallets. So we've seen in, in these survey results that only about half of the respondents actually feel comfortable about their personal economic outlook. And last year, that was 61%. So we've seen a pretty big drop in the number of people who are feeling comfortable. That's really significant, 11% in, in just one year. That's right. And more than half are worried about keeping up with paying those month-to-month bills. So the rent, the mortgage, utilities, insurance, of those worried about the month-to-month bills and keeping up with them, three-quarters of the older adults, so those who are age 65 and up, are more concerned. And that compares to the younger adults in that 18 to 34 group is 40% of people in that group being concerned. So the concern is shared, but we definitely see the balances tipped that the older adults are are feeling a lot more concern at this point. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, 40% is still a large number, right? 40% of those 18 to 34 being concerned about their economic outlook. Um, But certainly to have 73% of our seniors, right, over 65 to be concerned about that, uh, it certainly is troubling. And of course, for those uh, age group, they're on a fixed income rate. Most of them are going to be. They've already retired. They're, you know, getting pension, maybe just government pensions. Uh, So really it's hard for them. Um, We always hear during the winter, you know, they're worried about paying their light bill. We know food bank usage is at an all-time high. So definitely a lot to be concerned and and not surprised, but troubled by that large number. So Julie, certainly one of the many... Yeah, for sure. So certainly one of the many concerning statistics from this survey is the level of anxiety that many are experiencing currently due to high inflation, rising interest rates, and as we said, the overall economic uncertainty. But Atlantic Canadians are among the most anxious. So the majority of 53% of Canadians surveyed have a lot of anxiety about their current level of personal debt. Atlantic Canadians are the most anxious, as I said, at 62% followed closely by British Columbia at 60%. And based on the survey results, Albertans are the least anxious at just under 48%, which to me is still a large number. 
So yeah, how agreed. Budget, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Agreeing with you, that, um, that, that's right. I mean, uh, when I first read these results, I thought, oh, wow, Alberta, less anxious in that province. Interesting. But then, I mean, it's still 48% of the respondents from that province are anxious. I, that's a lot of people who are feeling concerned about their finances, for sure. Yeah, it's almost half, right? Mm-hmm. And household budgets are tight for many Canadians right now because of inflation. The majority of Canadians at 54% are living paycheck to paycheck. That comes from our BDO affordability index that we conducted this fall. And more than three quarters at 78% say they're in worse financial shape due to inflation. Again, 78%. Like I, as many surveys as, as we've talked about over the years, Julie, I've never seen numbers this high. Agreed. It, it's really compelling. And I mean, it's it's upsetting. It's it's really unfortunate to think about what that means. Like that is by far the majority of us in Canada going about our lives, being worried about how things are going to play out over the coming months and, and years. It, it really is. A, these are concerning statistics. They are. And we talked about food pricing and, and how seniors often are struggling this time of year with with the rise in their heating cost when it comes to food. And as I mentioned, food banks usage is at an all time high. And your survey also focused on food price concerns, right, as well as housing. And we know that the cost of food due to inflation is a big concern across the country, even as inflation dips slightly, right, it it did dip to 6.9% in September, but food prices do continue to soar. So the latest number from StatsCan showed that the cost of groceries increased at the fastest pace in more than 40 years. Food is up 11.4%, the fastest pace of increase in grocery bills since August of 1981. And this certainly makes budgeting for groceries really difficult, right? Not to mention at least many already tight household budgets even tighter, because we've talked about in the past that there was already a significant number of people, maybe just below 50% living paycheck to paycheck. So to have this type of an increase in something as important as groceries really does does uh, affect household budgets significantly. What does the Equifax survey show with regards to how Canadians are managing when it comes to shopping for food? Amongst our respondents, we learned that six, almost 6 in 10, so 59%, are using coupons and looking for deals more at grocery stores compared to what they were doing last year. And here's an interesting one, Nancy. Don't ask me to speculate on why this is, but women are more likely to be using coupons compared to men. So the out of the respondents, it was 53% of women were saying they're using coupons versus 56% of men. So a bit of an interesting gender difference there. And nearly as many people, so at 54%, are cutting back on grocery shopping altogether. And again, in this example, women are more likely to be cutting back on the grocery purchases. So 59% of the respondent women were saying they were cutting back on grocery purchases compared to 48% of the men responding. Yeah, and it really is concerning. You know, I'm glad to see people are looking for ways to save money by using 
matching coupons and that people are increasing uh, the use of that as, as a way to, to save money at the grocery store. But cutting back on groceries, I, I worry then that people aren't getting enough, right? And that they're, they're not cutting back on cost, but they're cutting back on quantity. And that is troubling for sure. And I think also I find, you know, maybe people are cutting back by buying less healthy choices because the healthy choices tend to be um, more significant in cost. So definitely a lot of impact um, that, you know, groceries and, and that these numbers are having on people. So according to Equifax Canada Consumer Survey, credit card debt is also at a record high. And we're going to talk about this when we come back. Please stay with us. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here on VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. So joining me today is Julie Kuznick. She's the Senior Compliance Officer for Consumer Advocacy at Equifax Canada. And we're talking today about a recent Equifax Canada consumer survey. And as you've been hearing, high inflation continues to take a financial toll on so many Canadians, including Newfoundland and Labradorians. And there's one concerning trend that stands out in this poll, Julie, and, and that is that credit card use. It's on the rise. And as more and more consumers rely on credit to make ends meet, I think, is, is what we're seeing, right? They're really supplementing their income using their credit card. So let's talk about the increases that we're seeing when it comes to credit card usage and, and why we should be concerned. So to start, Equifax Canada data indicates that credit card utilization has increased for six consecutive quarters, right? Yeah, credit card spend is at historically high levels, and that's no joke, as you rightly point out. The the hard part is if you're relying on credit to manage your day-to-day expenses and we're in an economic situation where prices keep going up, interest rates keep going up, even if the interest rates stop going up at this point, they're still much higher than they were when many people took on the original debt, when they originally signed that earlier mortgage or when they got that line of credit started. So using credit for day-to-day expenses, there's a really strong correlation with people getting into financial difficulty down the line because the interest piles up there. If you're not able to make the payments in full on time, then you end up in a compounding situation pretty quickly. No, absolutely. And, you know, an early report that you guys released, I think it was back in September, showed that new credit card volume was growing. So what that means is people are applying for more credit cards, right? So the number of credit cards that are in the system is actually higher. And as you said, higher monthly balances, right, with the biggest shift in consumer credit card balances among those with lower credit scores. And of course, with lower credit scores comes a higher risk that they are actually missing payments. And And in September, you also released um, a note that said that delinquencies were also starting to rise. So are you still seeing that? Is that still the case? Yeah, and and let's talk about what that means. So what does it mean when we're talking about delinquencies? That usually refers to when people become 90 days late on their bills or later. So that's, that's usually when that term delinquencies starts getting used. So when we see that uptick in delinquency, we're seeing people who are getting quite behind on their bills. And once you're in that 90 day 
plus zone. That's when the collections agencies start to become involved. That's when um, you're starting to see a much greater negative impact on credit scores. Once you've got that item in collections on that credit report, it stays on the credit report for six years, even if it has been paid. So that often comes as a surprise to people that it will continue affecting your your credit score calculations for quite a period of time beyond it actually appearing on the file. So when we see these uh, delinquencies increasing, unfortunately, that leads us to anticipate an increase in things like consumer proposals and bankruptcies, which, it, you know, you're certainly well versed in Nancy and I'm sure that this is not the type of increase in business that you get excited about. No, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm always um, happy to help the people out there that need my help. I'm never happy to see that insolvency rates are rising because it means that there's more and more people out there that are struggling. And it's interesting, the September numbers just came out from the Office of the Superintendent of Bankruptcy and it shows insolvency has increased 22% um, this September over last September, which, I mean, we haven't seen those types of increases in rates in years, right, since um, probably back to, to the last financial crisis of 2008 and 2009, like we saw some spikes here and there in 2019, um, but this has sort of a con- been a consistent increase now, right? Like August was 20%, September 22%. And I'm unfortunately, I think as we get into 2023, we're just going to see those numbers uh, getting higher and higher, Julie. And mm-hmm. since the start of the year, nearly two thirds of Atlantic Canadians have accrued additional debt. And Credit cards that carry a balance is the top type of debt carried by Atlantic Canadians at 65%. And these are stats from our BDO Affordability Index. And it's worth pointing out, I think, that this is nearly 10% higher than the national percentage, which was 56%. So, you know, as, as worried as I am about Canadians in general and the amount of debt that we're carrying, right, we said we're at a record high with average credit card balance of 2121. But here in Atlantic Canada, it's that much higher, right? There's that much more credit cards uh, debt that people are carrying. And Julie, you were quoted in a media release recently saying that credit card use can be a slippery slope for some, as it doesn't take long to find yourself burdened by debt, which may become challenging to pay back, especially in this economic environment. So let's talk more about this and why is it so important for consumers listening to be aware of the financial risks that credit card payments present? or credit cards in general, I guess, present. Credit card debt is one of the most expensive types of debt that you can have. So if you're carrying a balance on your credit card, which means you're not paying it off in full at the end of the month, then the credit card can charge you interest at an annualized rate of around 18 to 20%, depending on the particular card. And many people don't realize that a cash advance on the credit card can cost even more. They carry a higher interest rate than standard credit card purchases, which is often around 25%. And then there can be fees on cash advances as well. There's no grace period on cash advances, which means that the interest starts right from the day that you withdrew that money as cash. So in general, carrying a balance means that you will be paying back a much larger sum than what you borrowed, and it can take years to pay off that amount of money. 
you can always see, you get a sense of that when you actually look at your credit card statement and there's that box that tells you how many months it would take to pay off this balance if you were to be paying only the minimum uh, amount that's due. And that's assuming that you're not putting more charges on the card. So that's assuming that you stop using the card today and you're just paying off the balance that, that you already have. I had a client come to see me recently, Julie, and that was sort of what made her make the call finally or pushed her to, to finally make the call because she'd been thinking about it for some time, as many of my clients are. And she said when she looked at her credit card um, statement, it said that she, or maybe it was a website, actually, she was looking at her banking website, and it said that it would take her 204 months to pay off uh, her credit card debt. That's 17 years. Like She'll be retired well before then. And she's thinking, how, how can I do this? How can I continue to do this? And of course, that's if she was just able to make the minimum payment, which as we said, is, is what most people can only afford to do if they can afford to do that right now. So definitely uh, concerning for sure. And as it's your balance hard. increases, sorry, go ahead, Julie. It's so hard to face that. And, and as you've said so many times, Nancy, it can be so hard to ask for help, but it is so important to remember you're not alone. There are wonderful people out there like the licensed insolvency trustees, like yourself, Nancy, like the not-for-profit credit counselors. There are a lot of options out there of people who can offer some solutions that are specific to your situation. And remember that you're not a bad person if you are having difficulty with your bills. That that does not mean you've done something wrong or that you don't deserve help. I think those are really important messages to highlight. Oh, absolutely. And I think the statistics we're talking about today show that, right, that you're not alone, right? Look at the high percentage of people that are saying they're worried about their finances, they're worried about their debt, they have anxiety about being able to pay back their debt, right? So I think that adds credence to what you're saying, um, Julie. Like I've said that to people for years, you're not alone, right? You likely have people in your friend and family circle who are struggling as well. And I think that's more uh, likely now than it ever was before. And we talked a little bit about credit scores earlier and, and why you should be checking your credit score and, and looking at your credit report is something that we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show. But straight ahead, we have advice on managing your debt and including strategies for paying it down. Please stay with us. Weekday mornings from 530 to 9. Jumpstart your day with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy. Newsmakers, traffic, weather and more during your VOCM morning show. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here on VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, Licensed Insolvency Trustee and President of BDO uh, Canada Limited. And of course, I'm here in Newfoundland and Labrador. My guest today is Julie Kuzmik. She's the Senior Compliance Officer for Consumer Advocacy at Equifax Canada. And today we're talking about the recent Equifax Canada Consumer Survey. And as you've been hearing, high inflation and interest rates are really impacting the financial well-being of Canadians. As you heard before the break, many are relying on credit cards to keep up with the ever-increasing costs associated with high inflation. The average credit card balance held by Canadians is at a record high. And Julie, you gave our listeners some great advice on managing this debt and, and managing it so that it doesn't impact your credit score. And of course, part of this is making sure that you can make your minimum payments on time. But I want to switch the focus now and give our listeners some news that they can use, I guess, 
because there's so much economic uncertainty due to high inflation and, and rising interest rates. I don't think we can stress enough right now that now isn't the time to add to your debt. It's time to put in place a plan to pay down debt and look for ways to reduce your monthly costs. So Julie, what advice can you share with listeners when it comes to managing debt during these uncertain times and, and really concentrating on paying it down? Well, Nancy, I'm going to have to use the B word that nobody wants to hear, and that word is budget. It is so important to keep an eye on your household budget. If you can't deal with that word, I I personally have issues sometimes when I think about it as a budget. Sometimes I find thinking about it as a spending plan helps me overcome that bump of not wanting to have to think about a budget. And you can look at, are there areas that maybe you can trim some money to free up some some of that monthly um, funding? So are there monthly subscriptions? Are there, um, is there comparison shopping you can do? We talked about how there's been such an increase in the number of people who are paying more attention to coupons and trying to use them more often. I've heard some recent advice about it not even necessarily canceling all the subscriptions. So if you've got Netflix and you've got Disney Plus and you've got the Amazon Prime subscription, maybe you start to cycle them. So you just have one at a time for a few months and then switch to another one so that you don't feel that you're absolutely cutting down to nothing, but just freeing up some additional money to help cover those monthly costs or go directly to that debt repayment or even start an emergency fund. Now that's some really great advice. And I know I've been hearing from clients, you know, part of the consultation process is looking at their monthly budget, right, to see what money they have coming in and, and what money they have going out. And, you know, I'm hearing more and more from families that they're meal planning now, which is something they've never done before because they need to know, you know, looking at the flyers and, and figuring out what they can afford um, and plan the meals out ahead so that when they go to the grocery store, they're only buying what they need to get them through um, the week and they're sort of following that uh, that guideline and plan. So, you know, there's lots of ways out there that you can look to make sure you're staying within your budget. But to your point, it's important that people are focused on it now more than ever because even if you were a budgeter in the past or if, if you had a spending plan to your point in the past, now because we're seeing the cost of everything rise, it's more important than ever to revisit that budget and revisit it far more frequently than you may have in the past to make sure that you're continuing to spend within your means. And I want to look now at the current level of debt. So. How are people managing the current levels of debt that they have and how do they know if they're able to manage it? So one of the ways of doing that, of course, is stress testing your debt. So would you be able to manage your debt if interest rates went up yet again? And we're, we know that the bank of Canada is signaling that that is, in fact, going to happen. And another way, Julie, is to look at your debt to income ratio, right? Mm-hmm. One of the things that I often think about how dealing with your debt and facing it is often something that is hard for all of us. We know there's something there. We don't want to have to look at it. We use all the tricks in the book to avoid it and procrastinate. There's a lot in common there with with those of us, including me, who might uh, struggle with our weight from time to time when you don't want to stand on the scale and you're avoiding, you don't want to have to see what that number is. 
But the reality is the situation is there, whether you look at the numbers or not. And the first way to start getting more control and feeling better about the situation is to face it. And to do that, you have to just get over any of that shame, any of the worry, because we all have these challenges. And as you start digging into it, often people find there are ways through. It isn't as bad as you think. And so these are some great techniques that you're walking through, Nancy, to help on on the psychological side of starting to feel like there's progress being made and that can make all the difference in getting that positive momentum moving forward. Absolutely. And and seeing that positive momentum and putting that plan in place, there's a couple of different things that you can do. And really, it depends really on what is your motivating factor, right? So if we look at the debt avalanche uh, debt repayment plan, this strategy is the fastest, but it can be the most difficult for people, right? Because you're putting a large portion of your monthly budget towards debt repayment, paying all your minimums first, and then the rest of the money towards the debt that has the highest interest rate. So So that may or may not work for some people. Um, It's the best way to do it because you're getting rid of the highest interest rate debt first because that's one that's costing you the most. But if you're someone who needs to see that progress in order to continue to motivate you to keep going, then a debt snowball method may be better for you, right? This approach means that you're starting by putting your monthly debt repayment budget towards your minimum payments and then paying everything else towards the smallest overall debt that you have. So you can get that one paid off and move to the next one. So it really depends on what is going to be the best um, motivator for you, what's going to give you the most satisfaction, what's going to you know help you keep going to get that debt paid off. The main thing is that you're putting a plan in place to be able to do that. Yeah, and there's that aspect of knowing yourself and knowing what is going to be the most motivating to help you keep going that, that I think is really important. There's so much data coming out now around the psychological aspect of money and how we all are different in how we see our finances and how we manage our finances. There isn't necessarily one right way, but there are some really helpful habits to get into that are going to help anybody improve their situation as you're outlining. Absolutely. And you talked earlier too about, you know, people who are struggling financially and, and feeling anxious, seeking the help of, of a professional is really important, right? So that you understand what your options are to sort of reduce that anxiety and know that there's a path forward. And part of that reaching out for help is recognizing the warning signs that you may be at a point where you need to reach out for help, right? So some of those warning signs would be if you are unable to meet your monthly commitments or if you're only able to meet your minimum monthly payments. And I think now more than ever, Julie, um, one of the bigger warning signs is if you are supplementing your income with your credit. So if you don't have money uh, to get you through to the next payday and you're using your credit card to buy gas and groceries and and the things that you need uh, to live, then that would be another warning sign. Anything else that you can share with our listeners around warning signs where they should be reaching out for help? Well, I think you've 
highlighted some of the good ones, even if you're just feeling unsure. I mean, the number of times that that you've mentioned just the relief that you see in people Mm -hmm. when they come and learn that there are options. So just by talking to a professional like Nancy, you're not committing to declaring bankruptcy. There are lots of people who don't need to declare bankruptcy. There are other options that are available. So that, that relief is really a common thread that I hear a lot about once people finally do overcome that concern and, and uh, desire to keep it private and I don't want to tell anybody that I'm struggling, there is so much relief out there once you do start learning about your options. And, and to highlight again, there are multiple options. So not every road leads to bankruptcy and even bankruptcy is not the end of the world. Lots of people go through a bankruptcy and then they rebuild their credit and go on to have financially resilient lives. No, absolutely. And, and, you know, bankruptcy is out there to help people, right, to, to get back on their feet as our consumer proposals. And interesting, the superintendent of bankruptcy also just released its sort of debtor profile from uh, 2021. And it showed that proposals are now 70 percent of all insolvency filings. So that is where most people land when it comes to, to getting help with their debt is through a consumer proposal. And it's interesting, you know, when I'm talking to people and one of the things I go through with them in, in the discussion I have with them about their proposal is ensuring they're comfortable that they can indeed meet the monthly commitment for their proposal that they're signing up for. And so many times people will say, oh my gosh, of course I can. That's a fraction of what I'm paying now. Or, you know, I was talking to a lady the other day and her proposal payment was $200 a month and she was paying 400 biweekly to just one of her creditors. So it's, it's often a significant relief. Uh, for people, right, to know that they have this manageable, affordable payment and it's all going to be put behind them within five years. And Julie, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of doom and gloom today in talking about the the problems that people are finding with their finances and the anxiety that they're feeling. But as concerning as all this is, and it is concerning, there is one positive from the data that you guys pulled, and, and that's that more Canadians are checking their credit report. So we're going to talk about the benefits of this and why you should be doing that when we come back. Please stay with us. Every Saturday is perfect for a night at the cabin. The Cabin Party with Brian O'Connell. Saturday night starting at 7 p.m. on VOCM. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money. I'm your host, Nancy Stenin, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. I'm joined today by Julie Kuzmik. She's the Senior Compliance Officer for Consumer Advocacy at Equifax Canada. And Julie, we've been talking about your recent uh, consumer survey at Equifax. And as you've been hearing, there's a reason to be concerned. High inflation, rising interest rates, they're having a real negative impact on financial health of Canadians. And with a recession looming, there are concerns that things are going to get worse before they get better. But Julie, there is a positive amid all this, right? Your survey shows that more Canadians are taking steps to get better informed about their credit reports and credit scores. So what can you tell us about that? In our survey results, we found that more than three quarters, almost 80% of the respondents have checked their credit reports at least once in their lifetime. And when you hear that on the surface, it might feel like, oh, once in their lifetime, okay. But these numbers used to be so much lower 
the amount of awareness that we're seeing in Canadians starting to understand more about what credit scores are, what credit reports are, and how to access them, these are really positive numbers. And even about 60% have actually checked their credit reports in the last year. Interestingly, it was those who were in that 18 to 54 age group who were more likely to have checked their credit reports within the past year compared to those age 55 and up. And I just want to highlight for a minute, we talked earlier about the difference between a credit report and a credit score and reminder that you've got a credit report likely at both of the major credit bureaus in Canada, which are Equifax and TransUnion. And let's remind ourselves about another positive here. You can see that credit report for free online. So there's no need to pay anybody. You can go straight to the Equifax or TransUnion website and get access to to that credit report. And even at Equifax, anyone in Canada can see their Equifax credit score as well for free online when you're pulling your credit report. But one of the things I want to highlight is that there are multiple credit scores out there. A lot of people think that there's just one, that each one of us has a credit score. Of course, it doesn't help that we talk about it that way a lot. So it's understandable that that's the impression that people get. But there are, we each have multiple credit scores. There are different versions of credit scores and different banks and lenders use different versions of credit scores. So you might see a, a number from one source and it might be directly from Equifax or directly from TransUnion or through one your bank or through one of the other sites that provide this information. But that isn't necessarily the same version that a particular bank or lender or credit card company is using when they are taking a look at your application. So it's important to keep that in mind because people tend to get really hung up on the number and the number of a credit score, it's going to go up and down throughout the month as new information is reported all the time. When your MasterCard account information comes in, that might move your score a few points and then your mortgage comes in, that might change it as well. It's very common for scores to fluctuate. So although we've seen survey results that uh, about 33%, so about a third of the respondents do check their credit scores at least monthly, I'm happy to see that. But I also want to make sure people understand all credit scores are based on the information in the credit report. So that's really where you want to be focusing your energy to make sure that information is accurate and up to date. You know, absolutely. It's so important to see what's being reported on your credit report. Um, you know, and it, it gives you an idea too of where you stand with your different um, credit providers, right? Like that you're making your payments on time, how they're reporting that on your credit report, the leverage that you have, right? So in one page, you're seeing the amount of credit available. It, it, you might know that, but to see it all on one page can be eye-opening for people. So I think it's really important that you are looking at your credit report regularly, really not just looking at your, your credit score. But what do listeners need to know about how their credit score is determined? Like what do the ratings actually mean to them? Like we talked about there's different ratings and different lenders may be using different um, ratings. They're using the same information, but they're weighting them differently in calculating the scores. Is that right? 
Yes, that was very articulate. Thank you, Nancy. <laughs> Got me started on a, on a good path there. So the information in the credit report, as we've talked about, is used to calculate the score. And the most important factor is whether you've made your payments on time in the past. And that's because what a credit score actually is, is a prediction of how likely you are to make your payments on time in the future. So it turns out that the most predictive element of future behavior is past behavior in this case. So that's the biggest piece of the pie when it comes to the credit score calculation. Some of the other factors that come into play are what the balance of your credit cards is that got reported to the credit bureau compared to the credit limit. So to use just a round number example, if you've got a credit card that has a limit of $2,000 and the balance that got reported to the credit bureau was $1,000, you're using half of your available credit there. And the general advice is to try to keep that balance lower compared to the credit limit because that tends to have a more positive effect on the overall credit score. And some of the other factors that can have impact on credit scores are the mix of credit accounts. So if you've got a combination of installment loans like car loans, as well as what we call revolving accounts like uh, lines of credit and credit cards, as well as applying for credit recently. So that's where you might see what we call hard inquiries on credit reports that indicate that you have been applying for uh, credit. If there are a lot of credit applications in a short period of time, there can be a statistical correlation to starting to miss payments. And that's why that can have an effect on credit scores. But I want to give a really strong reminder here. When people hear that, they start to get all hung up on like, well, wait, how many is too many? And should I never apply for credit again? And what? how do I gain the score? What do I do to make sure I get the best possible score? These are often some of the lower factors in the overall credit score calculation. So the really important thing to focus on is making those bill payments on time. That's the thing that counts for the most. And just keeping out of don't have an item in collections. If you do have an item in collections, though, obviously you can't go back in time. I haven't heard of anyone successfully creating a time machine yet. So be aware (laughs) that... As that item gets older on your credit report, so it will be removed from the credit report six years from the time it initially went into collections. But as it gets older and closer to that six-year mark, as long as there aren't new negative things being reported, so as long as there aren't new missed payments or other items in collections that are appearing on the credit report, the effect of that on the score will decrease over time. So there is hope for people who are might be feeling like, oh, great, I just had something go into collections last month, so now I've got a whole six years ahead of me of that affecting my credit scores. Remember that it, it will that impact will go down over time as long as there aren't new negative items that are appearing on your credit report. 
No, absolutely. And, and that's what I tell clients all the time. Because, of course, we get that question, right, when we're talking about filing a consumer proposal or filing a bankruptcy, how is it going to impact my credit? And does it mean I'll never be able to get credit again? And obviously, the answer to that is no. Um, it doesn't mean you won't be able to get credit again. And you can rebuild your credit score as you're going through the process. It's not like it's going to be negatively impacted at the same rate the entire time or for the, the number of years that it sits there uh, once you've got it completed, similar to what you were saying the collection agency, right? So it's, it's important for people to understand that it's a moment in time and there are positive steps you can take to, to rebuild your credit score as well. And we talked, Julie, about, you know, your credit score has an impact on whether or not you'll be approved for credit, but there's also other things that it can impact as well, right? The terms or interest that you might be charged for your loan. So the better your credit score, the better the interest rate that you'll likely qualify for. Some potential employers may ask permission to check your credit and based on what they read, they may decide whether or not they're going to hire you. And oftentimes when you're applying for a rental property, a landlord may assess your tenant worthiness by looking at your credit score. So Julie, how can listeners obtain a copy of their credit report and their credit score? And is there a fee for that? So I'm very happy to say that no, there isn't a fee for it. Everyone in Canada is entitled to a free credit report. And uh, in Quebec, people are entitled to a free credit score. But at Equifax, we decided to make that available to everyone across the country. So the way to get a hold of that is go to Equifax.ca. And if you have already created an account there, you'll log in. If not, there's a few simple steps to create an account because of course we don't want to give your credit report to somebody who isn't you so we have to make sure that the person that is telling us that they're you is actually you so there will be some questions that you have to answer to verify against information that is in your credit report that you are in fact who you say you are so that we're trying to protect you from identity theft in that way and then you'll be able to see your credit report and an Equifax credit score online right away as long as there's enough information in that credit report to generate a score. When somebody's new to credit, it can take a few months of getting new information reported on the credit report before there's enough information in order to generate a credit score. So that's something to be aware of. But once you have that account at Equifax, on a monthly basis, you can come back and see your updated credit file or credit report and an updated credit score. So it's a great way to just stay on top of that credit aspect of your personal finances and make sure that there isn't anything showing up there that doesn't look right or doesn't look familiar. That could be a sign of identity theft that possibly somebody has applied for an account in your name. And that's, of course, something that you want to catch and deal with sooner than later. That's great, Julie. Well, listen, thanks so much for joining us today. You know, you've had some really uh, great information for our listeners. Um, we just have about a, a minute left, maybe even less, actually. So if people wanted to reach out if they wanted more information, it's just equifax.ca. Is that right? That's right. There's lots of educational information there as well. 
Great. Well, thanks again for joining me. And to our listeners, we do want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question or a topic that you'd like me to discuss here on Your Money, you can email us at yourmoney@bdo.ca, or you can give us a call at 800-563-8337. Until next week, I'm Nancy Sneddon. Stay safe and be well, everyone. If you have a question or comment, send an email to yourmoney@bdo.ca. This has been Your Money with Nancy Sneddon of BDO, Licensed Insolvency Trustee on your VOCM.